Lift up your Bible. If you're reading from your cell phone, lift it up real high. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Today we're starting a brand new series and we are going to be talking about grace in the marketplace. How to take the grace of God into the marketplace. By marketplace, we are talking about taking the grace of God into your job, into your career, into your business as you go in the marketplace. Amen. Into your ministry. The grace of God is available for you to take it into all those places. Traditionally, uh, most of us, you know, compartmentalize our lives. We come to church on Sunday and we go to work on Monday. But what God wants us to do is to get to a place where what we do at church on Sunday spills over into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. That's how you become the light of the world or the salt of the world because you are going into the marketplace to influence people's lives. Amen. The reason why we say you need to take this grace into the marketplace is simply because we are in what is known as the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the church, which is known as the church age. And if you read First Peter chapter number 4, verse 10, the Bible says we as the church, how many of you know that the church is not the building? You know, faithful church is not the church. The church is you and me. So when God speaks of the church, he's talking about you, the ecclesia, the called out ones. And it's amazing that when God wanted to name this special group of people, God reached out into the secular word and used the word church or ecclesia. The people of government, the people that sit at the seat of power and make decisions on behalf of a community. He didn't use the word synagogue, a religious word. He used the word from the marketplace. He said, they shall be called the church. And, you know, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, against you and me. The gates of hell cannot prevail. Amen? So it says in First Peter 4.10, it says, We are the manifold stewards of the grace of God as the church. And what it says as well is that uh, the grace of God is manifold. Let's read it. It says, as every man has received the gift. Every man has received a gift from God. Every man has a gift and a purpose from God. No one is an accident. In fact, God says in Jeremiah chapter number 1, uh, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So to your parents, you may have been an accident, but to God, you were uh, purposed. And God deposited a gift, watch this, in all of us. Hallelujah. It says, every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As what? Good stewards of the what? Manifold grace of God. That word manifold uh, simply means multifaceted. That the grace of God has many faces. You know, growing up, uh, the definition for grace was unmerited favor. But once I read this scripture, it changed. It became one of the things that the grace of God is. is unmerited favor. 
You know why? Because the grace of God is multifaceted. It is as infinite as God is. Amen? The grace of God, man, as you, as you grow in this grace, the Apostle Paul charges us to grow in this grace. As you grow in this grace, every new vantage point you get to, you see another dimension of grace that you never experienced before. Amen? And today we're going to look at some of the aspects of this grace. Man, I, I love teaching people how to operate in the marketplace. Because the Bible has so much to say about what we can do in the marketplace and influence lives and not only that become significant you know i was saying in the early service there are three levels to live life there is normal someone shout i'm not normal and there is successful uh, and then there is significance you know i know a lot of successful people who are not significant in other words if they die today we won't miss them much Aren't your neighbor and say, man, I'm trusting God, it's not you. (laughs) So just because you're successful does not mean you're significant. Amen? And there are a lot of people who are significant that if they go today, man, will be like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And that's the level that God wants us to get to. This is why he gave you a gift. Every single one of us in here can become significant. Because God put a gift on the inside of us that can make us significant. And you can become significant in the marketplace. Wherever God has called you to. I was saying again in the early church that God may have called you to be a housewife. And you may think that's just an insignificant thing. But sometimes God calls you to be a housewife to raise the next president. Or to raise... Uh, uh, Benny Yin or to raise uh, Barack Obama and God trusts you to be that steward who will look after that boy and deposit everything that you need to and train them up in the way of the Lord so that when they are old they will not depart from it and it will make you significant in fact uh, uh, just recently I was amazed at how uh, uh, some of these famous sports people's moms have all of a sudden become significant to the world of sport. You know, uh, the Golden State Warriors won the uh, NBA uh, finals just last week, two weeks ago, and they kept interviewing one of the stars' mom. What do you think about this team? What, what does she have to... All she did was raise this boy who happened to be tall and can shoot the ball. But guess what? To them, it's significant. That was the assignment. And to God, she carried out her assignment. Let's go now to Romans chapter number 3, verse 23. Let's see some of the aspects of the multifaceted, manifold grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter number 3, verse 23. Just hunt your neighbor and make sure they're awake. Amen? Just, just wake them up. Just stay awake. Watch what it says. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Next verse. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ. So the grace of God justifies us. This is an aspect of the grace of God. Or a facet of the grace of God. And today I'm going to give you about five facets. But that's not at all the complete list of the faces of His grace. 
As you grow in it, you begin to discover, man, the grace of God, you cannot exhaust the grace of God. It's unlimited and it's available for you to take it and go into the marketplace and do some amazing things. Amen? God has called us to be creative beings as church folk, as Christian folk. When we start getting into His Word, you know, most of us think, well, Pastor T, I come to church on Sunday, but when I want to run my business, I go to Peter Drucker. Man, if you take the Word of God and run your business with it, the Bible says the entrance of His Word brings light, it brings illumination. It brings witty ideas. It, it creates new pathways of thinking that were never in existence before. You begin to do things better than your peers in the marketplace. How many of you know that God was not surprised when we discovered internet? God knew about the internet in the Garden of Eden. Fast speed internet while we had it. God knew fiber optic in the Garden of Eden. We only discovered it 6,000 years later. To God, is like, man, come on, keep up. Because all of these things, He already created everything and stored it in grace. And we need to access that grace so we can bring them to light. The problem is we don't associate creativity with God. But God is the most creative being you'll ever know. Man, some of the mountains, some of the places that you visit, you'll be like, man... This dude is amazing. Every day he paints a new uh, skyline in a creative way just to show off. And when it's evening, he sprinkles some stars. Just (laughs) shooting stars. Some of them he makes them move. I mean, God is the most creative being, but church folk don't tap into that aspect of God because we think church is religion. Church is a relationship that gets us to function even in the marketplace. Can I get an amen? Amen. Number two, Hebrews chapter number 13 verse 9. Hebrews chapter number 13 verse 9. Thank you, Jesus. Be not carried about with divers and strange doctrines, For it is a good thing that the heart be established with what? Grace. So another facet of the grace of God is it is the establishing or the stabilizing force in your life. You know, one of the things I listed down when I was believing God for a wife was, I want a stable woman. You know, because unstable people are crazy. I don't want to marry someone who will be cutting up all my clothes and, you know, bringing drama and, you know... (laughs) Throwing a bottle of hot water on my face. I'm like, man. Then crazy things happen out there. So I said, Lord, I want someone who's stable. So part of what the grace of God does is it brings stability. Someone say stability. It brings stability to your career. It brings stability to your business. It brings stability to your job in the marketplace. You will be known as someone who is stable. Hallelujah. What else does it say? It says, established with grace, not with meats which have not profited those who have been occupied therewith. Let's read it in the Message Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Stabilization, the process 
of something having the ability to continue in a constant, someone say constant, and successful way without unexpected downward changes. When you can know that you will be successful in your job over a long period of time and it will be constant when you are established and stabilized by God's grace. Watch what it says here in the Message Bible. Don't be lured away from him by the latest speculations about him. The Word of God is not a book of speculations. It's the truth. Amen? So don't be lured by latest speculations. Be established in the Word of His grace. Watch what it says. The grace of Christ is the only good ground for life. The grace of God. Man, when you are planted in the grace of God, it is the only good ground for life. Not speculations. Not religion. The grace of God. It's the only good ground for your business. The only good ground for your career. The only good ground for your ministry is to be planted in the grace of God. The grace of God is the only good ground for life. Product. Someone say product. Product. Says products named after Christ don't seem to do much for those who buy them. Bumper stickers. Water. Anointed water. Anointing water. Anointed oil. Name. Products named after Christ. Man, the Apostle Paul, I, I think the Apostle Paul probably went on a, a, a research. He went on a, on, a, on a case study and looked at people who bought these bumper stickers and put them on their cars before he wrote this. He said, man, I've observed these people for a certain period of time, but the products named after Christ don't seem to do much. And I want to add to it. Association with a certain minister hasn't seemed to do much for the people that claim to be associated. Papa, what have you done of lately? Has your life gotten better since you said, Papa. Because at the end of the day, we want to see some transformation. There has to be some change. Can I get an amen? Man, I'm telling you, products just named up, they haven't done much for a certain people. Amen? I said amen. Or a Facebook post that says, type I receive. Hasn't done much for the people that have typed, right? Haven't seen some transformation. The only time we see transformation is if someone is planted in the good soil of his grace. Because they are stable. Acts chapter number 20, verse 32. Is this good? Acts 20, verse 32. Uh, In the King James Bible. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. There is a thing called the word of His grace. Did you see it? Which is able, whenever you see that phrase, which is able, it speaks of potential. Amen? You know, when you're driving down the street, you see that place called the gymnasium, or better known as the gym. It is able to bring out some 21-inch guns on your biceps. It has that potential. But how come you don't have them? 
because you have not tapped into the potential. Amen? 200 crunches a day have the potential. They are able to bring out rock hard ads by Christmas. <laughs> but we will see in December, right? <laughs> Here's the deal. Whenever you see that phrase, which is able, it implies potential, and it also implies this thing is available for you. You can tap into it and get whatever benefits that are in it. Amen? It says, which is able to build you up. The word of grace is the potential, the ability to build you up. To build you up for endurance in the marketplace. To build you up for success and significance in the marketplace. But you have to be submitted to this word of grace. Amen? And to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God gives the inheritance, but we have to receive it. How do we receive it? We receive it by faith. Let's go to Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 8. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Watch what it says. It says, for by grace are you saved through what? Faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, let's go to Romans chapter number 5 from verse 1 to 2. So, grace is on God's side of the ledger and faith is on our side of the ledger. Grace alone does not do much for you. But when you access His grace through faith or through your positive response to what God has already done, you can begin to do things that change people's lives. Amen? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. By whom we have what? Access. Amen? By whom we have access by faith. So faith is the password. It is the one that gives you access into this grace. Did you see it? He says, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. So there is a thing called grace that you can take into the marketplace. There is an ATM loaded with grace. Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. And God says, here's the password. The password is faith. The password is you responding positively to what I've already given you. So grace does not make you lazy. Then when you understand God by grace has already put His blessing on your hands and everything that you touch is blessed, you want to touch everything. Amen? So grace does not make you want to, oh, it's all by grace. Well, by God's grace. No, it's by grace through faith. And there are a lot of people who say that, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, can we have a meeting tomorrow at 11 a.m.? They said, well, Yes, we can, uh, all by God's grace. Well, God's grace has already made it possible for us to meet tomorrow. It's by your faith. It's by your waking up and acting on it. It's your turn to do the part. God, God has already done it. They make it seem like God's grace is conditional and God's grace is uh, uh, schizophrenic. Sometimes you may wake up and be like, oh, okay, my grace today is don't go for the meeting. My grace tomorrow is no, don't go to work. No, His grace is already available for you. All you have to do is to respond positively and start putting that grace to work so that it can produce for you. So grace does not make people lazy. Grace fires you up. It brings you into action. 
When you, when you are passive, when the grace that you understand makes you passive, you have not fully caught the full revelation of the grace of God. Amen? He says we have access by faith. Amen? Amen. Let's go now to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 10. Here's another aspect of the grace of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. So the grace of God made you to be who you are today. And there are different kinds of people. You know, remember what he said in Jeremiah chapter number 1, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. You know what God did for all of us in here? Before we were formed in our mother's womb, He deposited genius. All of us in here can operate at genius level. When we get into our assignment. All of us, because He has made us to be who we are. But we have to, I know some of you have a fast lightning mind, you're already thinking, but Pastor T, how do I know this assignment? Because I I want to operate at genius level. It's simple. If I came with a, uh, an in invention here that you, all of us have never seen before and I lifted it up and I asked most of you, all of you, what is this? Everyone in here is going to say, man, we don't know what that is, right? But if I brought the person who invented it, what would be the most logical thing to do to find out what this thing is? Ask the dude, hey, are you the one who made it? Okay, what is it? What does it do, right? And it's the same thing. God created you. He's the one who deposited genius. If you want to know what he deposited on the inside of you, just go back to him. But most of us don't want to go back to him. You know why? Because we want to try and figure it out first. Go back to him. Find out from the manual. You know, a lot of men in here won't admit. But when we buy a new gadget, we never read the manual. And we pride ourselves in that. It's like, man, I never read them. I'll figure it out as I go. But you can't do that with life. Because a lot of people are trying to figure it out as they go. And they only get to 80, 85 and they realize, man, I never lived. I was just going through the motions. But before you leave, before you step out, find out from the master. God, what have you created for me to do? What's my assignment? And then when you are a, a ministry gift, you know, and I always say this to a lot of young people that come to me for mentorship. Now, Pastor, see, I want you to mentor me and so on and so forth. And the first question I ask them is, what's your assignment? And it's like a curveball. It always catches them off guard. It's like, man, my assignment? Oh, man, I'm preached to give. I'm, I'm, I'm called to preach. Everybody's called to preach. Called to preach is one thing. Being a ministry gift on assignment is another. When you are on assignment and you understand your assignment, you are never sidetracked. Man, I've been preaching the same thing since 2009. If you listen, there's a line, there's a thread of what I teach on since 2009. And along the way were a lot of fads that looked attractive. Prophetic fad, man. Man, you just become a prophet. Change your name, Pastor T, to Prophet T. And we'll fill this place up. Tell people phone numbers. <laughs> Prophesy their car registration number. We'll pack this place up. But that's not my assignment. <laughs> Amen? And I'm telling you. And, and the reason why people do that is simply because when someone is operating in their assignment, it's attractive. 
So everyone, everybody wanted to be gone. 2010, during the World Cup, all of us went and looked for our soccer boots again. Man, and just, yeah, Shibobo, me, I used to play striker. People are coming. <laughs> everyone, 35-inch port belly, you're coming big. Yeah, me, I'm a... Me, I'm a soccer player. Me, I'm a soccer player. You know why? Because we were exposed to people who were living in their assignment. And it's attractive. And now everybody and their mama want to become a soccer player. But when you know your assignment, you stay on course. Even when someone else is doing something that may be deemed extravagant. You will stay on course knowing this is the thing that God has called me to do. And in the end, you will look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you carried out your assignment. Man, just last week again, the Golden State Warriors won the NBA champions, championship. And Steph Curry is the star of the show. And Steph shoots from far. He just shoots three-pointers from far. That's his game, right? Everyone else likes to drive in and dunk. and He just shoots from far. From pine slopes, he's just shooting. <laughs> so I went to play basketball a few weeks ago. And everybody done turned Steph Curry. Everyone. People who can't shoot, they are shooting from everywhere. It's just, oh, Steph, man, Steph. You know why? Because when someone operates in the assignment, it's attractive, but it shouldn't be attractive enough to change our course. You should be happy for them. Praise the Lord, you found your assignment, but I'm called to do this, and I'm going to stick with it. See, because significance in God's eyes is different from significance in men's eyes. In men's eyes, you're significant when you have a 30,000 member church. In God's eyes, you're significant if you stay on course. If you're doing what He called you to do. Amen? And in the marketplace, God has graced all of us with gifts and talents that we can become significant. We can play our part and change people's lives. You know, I had a friend, um, and all he did was write code. And most people can't relate with God giving them the ability and the grace to write code because we think God's ability is just to sing choruses. But God is active in the marketplace. He's giving people witty inventions, ideas. And the world, they've understood this principle. They tap into the spiritual realm and download things that were meant for God's children. You know why? Because we are not doing anything about it. We are singing. There's nothing wrong with singing. But take some of that into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Become the church in the marketplace. Oh man, it's going to be good. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Did you see that? Which means the grace bestowed upon you can be in vain. If you don't do what He's about to say. Next. God bestowed His grace upon all of us. But that grace can be in vain if you don't do what He's about to tell you next. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Graced people, people who have uh, uh, caught their gifts and talents in the spiritual realm and they understand what they are called to do, they outwork everyone. But to them it's not work, it's become play. Because grace takes the toil out of labor. You know, you're not, you don't have to uh, uh, pull teeth to do stuff. You have the grace of God, the anointing to do that thing. 
and it becomes easy. Amen? And life becomes a joy. You know, I talk to a lot of young business people in the church who have discovered what their assignment is and, you know, what God has called them to do. And I've had the opportunity to observe some of them move from just day-to-day routine of going to work and doing something they didn't like to become biz- to becoming business people. Most of them that have discovered their assignments, they don't look forward to weekends. They're like, man, Pastor G, I can't believe it's weekend again. Because I'm enjoying this thing. In fact, most of them complain whenever there's a public holiday. But people who haven't discovered who they are called to be and their assignment, man, they want to chill. But people who know who they are and what they are, like, Pastor G, this country has too many public holidays. And I'm like, dude, just a few years ago when you were an employee, you used to enjoy this thing. Now they've discovered their purpose. They want to be on the ball all the time because it's not them working. It's the grace of God. Did you read it? He said, I labored, yet not I, but the grace was doing the work through me. It wasn't work. It was His grace. You know, we belong to a network and uh, we always laugh with Henry and sometimes when we get on the network call and we're speaking with all the other pastors from different regions, they can't understand why I haven't gone on a sabbatical and I've been ministering for the past eight years. Like, man, the fifth year you should have taken a sabbatical. And I'm like, man, I, I don't see the need because I love what I'm doing. He said, but don't you get burnout? I say, I don't know what you're talking about. What's burnout? What's that? I don't even know what it is. You know why? Because it's no longer I that's doing the work. It's the grace of God that's doing the work through me. So I don't need to go away for six months to recalibrate. Man, I'm going to be gone for a long time. I will sleep forever. (laughs) So I might as well work now, right? But that's the thing. The only way you can start looking forward to Mondays is to go back to the author and find out what have you created for me to do in the marketplace. Amen? Amen? And when he reveals it to you, you'll begin to enjoy life. And that's what God wants you to do. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. Let's go now to Jeremiah chapter number 1 from verse 4. Thank you, Jesus. Jeremiah chapter number 1. Watch what it says. It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Next verse. Before I formed you in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So his assignment was very specific and it was very clear. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Next verse. Then said I, O Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Next verse. But the Lord said unto me, Say not I am a child, for thou shalt go to all whom I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. In other words, don't talk about your insecurities, because it's going to be my grace working for you. If God calls you to do something, He also equips you to be able to do that very thing. So it takes the toil out of it. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Let's go now to Proverbs chapter number 14 verse 12. So if you want to know what God created you to do, 
Don't look within. Look to God. Amen? Amen. <laughs> if you look within, I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of confusion. There's nothing within. But if you go back to the maker, if you spend time in the manual, you will find out what God created you to do. Amen? And if you don't, here's the danger. If you don't find out, whenever something's purpose is not discovered, abuse is inevitable. You know, I was watching this movie, Zulu on my stoop, and these two boys picked up a gun. The one started using it as a hammer, pointing to himself. You know why? He didn't know the purpose of that thing. When a purpose for life is not known, abuse is inevitable. Man, when you know your purpose, you cannot be abused. Because you know you are a hammer and you work as a hammer. You know you are a gun and you work as a gun. Man, watch what it says. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Death. So this distinguishes between a good idea and a God idea. And he's talking about the end. Before we embark on anything, we must always look at the end. 80% of all church plants in North America, they collect this data. I don't know what it is here in South Africa, but in North America, 80% of all church plants end in a shutdown within the first year. You know why? Someone didn't consider the end before they began. Someone didn't hear from God. It was a good idea. It's a great idea. Man, let's start a church. It's a great idea. But is it a God idea? Because God only finances His ideas. Hallelujah. So before you start, spend time with Him. Find out what He's saying to you. What He wants you to do. Because He's deposited genius on the inside of you. And when you go in that lane, don't deviate. Stay on it. Amen. This is good. Second Corinthians... In fact, let's go to Hebrews chapter number 12, verse 1. Thank you, Jesus. Always be more concerned about the end. If the end is destruction, don't do it. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let's do it in the Amplified. Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance. Someone say patient endurance. In other words, be determined to run the whole way. You need endurance on this journey. It's not a hundred meter dash. You're going to be doing this. Once God reveals it to you, you're going to be doing it all your life. So you better stay in your pace. Amen? He says patient endurance and steady. Do you see it? And active persistence the appointed course. So that means there is an appointed course for you to run. A lot of people are running the wrong race. And if you win the wrong race, when you get to the end, just as they are about to give you the medal, they will be like, 
We can't find your name here. You were registered for the 200 meter race, not the 100 meter. We know you won, but you are disqualified. Amen? So this is why it's critical, man. I cannot, I cannot emphasize it enough. Go to God, find out what He created for you to, to, to live, and start living the purpose-driven life. I think there's a book out there called The Purpose-Driven Life. Let your life be driven by purpose, not just by brilliant ideas. Oh, man, this is a great idea. Man, we've seen great ideas crash. We've seen great ideas crash. But God ideas... They always win. Amen? Find out what the God idea is and stay on course. Hallelujah. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 verse 9. Run with patient endurance. Steady and active persistence. The appointed course of the race that is said before us. Man, that's a good, that's a good Bible verse. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. Watch what it says. Uh, this is God speaking to the Apostle Paul. He says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory rather in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Next verse. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities or in weakness, in reproaches, in private in private privations and persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake for when I'm weak then I'm strong it sounds like an oxymoron right saying when I'm weak then I'm strong what is what the grace of God is the uh, uh, empowering power of God so not only does grace give you things that you don't deserve he gives you the empowerment for you to be able to do the things that you can't do. So the Apostle Paul says, hey, when I look at my weaknesses, I already know the grace of God has covered them. So I praise God and I celebrate. Because I know I have weaknesses. I know there are certain things I can't do in my own strength. But God's grace is already available to give me strength in those areas. So when I'm weak, I know I'm strong. Because God's grace has already covered those areas. But it has to be in the course that has been put before you. It has to be the race that God has called you to run. Amen? So we need to move swiftly just from good ideas and start walking in God ideas. What did he say to Elijah? He said, I have already commanded the ravens to feed you at the brook Sherith. He gave him a vision. And with that vision came God's provision. He said, now you go to the brook. And when you get to the brook, I've already by grace commanded. One of the ways to know whether God is into something is to see if he is paying for it. Man, if it's your own idea, you're going to have to have a budget for it. You're going to have to pay for it. But if it's his vision, he will pay for it. And you won't have to toil to get him to pay for it. Remember, he said last week in Acts chapter number 18, verse 10, he has a lot of people in this city. He will send those people so that they can take care of what they need to take care of. So as we go into the marketplace, what better place to be in 
and become the salt of the world and the light of the world than in the marketplace. You know why? Because everyone is in the marketplace. And God has called us to go in there and be the difference. But we can't go in there just, you know, like headless chickens. We need to go in there with purpose. We need to go in there with our gifts. We need to go in there and start applying His grace to everything that we do. Amen? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for these, your children. Father, we thank you that you deposited gifts and callings that cannot be reversed. Father, in this season, we thank you that to each one, you are revealing what their gifts and callings are in this life. Lord, we thank you that as your children go into the marketplace, you may begin to reveal to them what their niche, their niche area of operation is. You may begin to open doors into an area of operation where they will get excited about life again. Where they will get excited about living and doing life again. Father, we pray that you may deliver them from just going through the motions. Because they have to pay a bill. But Father, that they may live a life on purpose. Father, we thank you that not a life under the sound of my voice will be wasted. Not a life, not a gift, not a calling, not a talent will go to the grave. But Father, that every gifts, callings and talents that you have given them will be revealed and they will be manifested in this life. Every book, every witty invention, every idea, every innovation will come out of them. Father, we take the toil out of their work. In the name of Jesus, they will not go around in circles any longer. But Father, that you will bring a specific word with a specific direction that they need to go into. People have said that the grave is the most gifted place in the universe. It will not be so for these, your children, under the sound of my voice. They will go empty. They will empty themselves of their gifts, callings, and purposes. They will live a full life in this life. We take the cycle of frustration out of their life right now. We bind a cycle of frustration in the name of Jesus. And Father, we release a revelation. To some, you will speak even in the night seasons by way of dreams. As they rest and cannot resist. To some, you will speak by way of a word of prophecy. To some, you will open a door for them. And as they walk in, they will discover the joy of living life again. No more frustration. No more going through the motions. Living life to the fullest. Father, we call all of these children 
all of these your children to significance not only will they be successful they will be successful and significant in that which you have called them to do father we honor you and we give you praise in the mighty matchless name of our lord jesus christ we have prayed and everyone says amen and amen someone shout before he knew me before he formed me he knew me before i was born he set me apart for a purpose now say lord reveal this purpose unto me so that i may live a life that is full someone shout my heart is ready my mind is receptive speak to me lord reveal it unto my heart lord and i'm committing to walk in that path in jesus name amen and i'm telling you it's not too late for you to start doing what god has called you to do for you to living life on purpose amen for everyone else we want to just pray that god may reveal his purposes to you we want to pray for you as you go into the marketplace that you may become influential that you will become the light of the world and that you will become effective and efficient at what you do amen we love you god bless you and remember these words from second corinthians 5 verse 7 for we walk by faith and not by sight we love you god bless you